Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Ray Hackey on the Christian quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. And so, you know, for somebody to, you know, be out front and center and use their platform and be so bold is to proclaim the name of Christ um, and, and do it just without fear. That's very encouraging. And Fred Pry on evangelizing children. And we have some teachers that have served for 30 years in teaching Good News Club mm. because they just love it. It's their calling. Ray Hackey and Fred Pry next. Besides the game itself, many believers are especially interested in the quarterbacks on each team in this Sunday's Super Bowl, as each one is an outspoken Christian. My first guest today is Ray Hackey, an attorney and sports writer for World. He's written the piece, Faithful Field Generals. Ray, in your piece, you write, going back to the playoffs, there were a number of Christian quarterbacks. Oh, there, oh, there were a ton of them. I mean, uh, there's Brock Purdy of the 49ers, who's a, uh, an incredible story. We'll get to get to him in a moment. Yeah. Uh, the other uh, Super Bowl quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, is also a Christian. He's a little bit more of a controversial figure. I can get into that, too. Um, but, you know, Tua Tagovailoa of the Miami Dolphins, C.J. Stroud of the Houston Texans, you know, he was, uh, you can see plenty of video clips of him. In fact, there was some controversy over him when he praised God after a, after a victory and NBC cut out his uh, uh, references to Jesus. And, and I think there might have even been, a, oh, Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he's an incredible story, uh, you know, just given what he went through at the University of Alabama. Uh, so th- there are a lot of them out there and probably a few that I didn't mention. I mean, Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens, I understand, is a believer as well. And so is Jordan Love of the Packers. So, I mean, there, there were a ton of them. You had uh, Christians had no shortage of quarterbacks to root for. Well, you've been doing sports writing for, for a number of years, as I understand it, Ray. Is, is How unusual is this to have so many quarterbacks who are uh, professing Christians who are believers? I don't know if it's that unusual. It's certainly not like groundbreaking or anything like that. It, it, it's certainly a wonderful thing. There are certain uh, ones that are, it's very encouraging to see that there are so many of them that are uh, so open about their faith, uh, especially given that uh, in this in, in our society, there are people who kind of wish they would keep that to themselves. But I mean, it's especially important for a quarterback because a quarterback is the face of an organization. He's the leader of a team. And so, you know, for somebody to, you know, be out front and center and use their platform and be so bold is to proclaim the name of Christ um, and, and do it just without fear. That, that's very encouraging. Uh, and, and it's wonderful to see as, as a believer. It kind of gives me extra incentive to root for those guys. Well, to this uh, weekend's game, the the Super Bowl, uh, Brock Purdy, you mentioned, the the quarterback for the 49ers. You write that he is the biggest come-from-behind story of this whole group of Christian quarterbacks. What can you tell us about him and that come-from-behind story? All right. Well, uh, for starters, I have to mention that he was the last pick in the 2022 NFL draft, and because of that, he was labeled Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, but he, uh, wound, he wound up being a third-string quarterback, and when the, the two quarterbacks in front of him uh, Trey Lance and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo went down with injuries. He got promoted. Well, he went unbeaten from, you know, he, his first win was against Tom Brady. He went all the way up to the last, last year's NFC championship game when he was knocked out with a, with an elbow injury. This year he came back and reeled off several straight victories. He had a few bad games, but guess what? Every quarterback has those, um, you know, Purdy is, he's been slammed by a lot of people just 
uh, labeled a game manager, not not a really good quarterback. Uh, you know, they say, they say, well, he's got all these weapons around him, and Purdy has just kind of accepted it with a smile. You know, he doesn't let it bother him, doesn't let it phase him. Um, you know, he's he's very open about his faith. Uh, he lives in the Bay Area, which I used to live there too. Um, you know, he he made significantly more than I did when I lived there. But even on his salary, you know, it's expensive to live. And you know, he's uh, I mean, he's got a roommate. He's driving around in a Toyota Corolla, so it's not like he's living the high NFL lifestyle. But hmm. I mean, given all the the way his teammates praise him, you always see the guy with a smile on his face. It does. People can bash him all they want. Uh, it, it doesn't face him. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, I've been a 49er fan like since I was six. Uh, you know, we're talking from the days of Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, uh, all those guys. And I think I like it, it. It sounds like heresy to say, but I like Purdy more just because I mean, he's just he's just such an easy guy to root for. He reminds me a lot of Kurt Warner. And he, in fact, wears the same jersey number, the same kind of underdog story that, you know, written off and he's succeeding beyond expectation. Now, how outspoken is Brock Purdy about about his Christian faith? And in terms of, I mean, this this amazing rise from being Mister Irrelevant, the last person chosen in the draft. Obviously, he was a, a very good player in college, but uh, just barely squeaked into the NFL, and now here he is. He's extremely outspoken about it. He doesn't shy away from it. Um, he, you know, I think uh, recently he was asked about uh, his two comebacks in the N- uh, in the NFL playoffs or the NFC, he was down against the Packers. He was down against the Lions uh, by a lot. You know, a lot of people I think wrote the 49ers off, and you know, he talked about the fact that he prayed about it. He's like, "Okay, God, you know, you let me here. You know, he feels like he's called to do this. Uh, it's one of the reasons why uh, he doesn't um, let anything face him. It's like, okay, you know, God wants this. This is what God has called him to do, and you know, he's pursuing it, and uh, and God is blessing it very clearly." How does he stay grounded, if you will? I mean, all of this fame and celebrity and success is so new. I think it's just his faith. I think I think it's just the fact that he realizes uh, that he's blessed to be in the position that he's in. Uh, he doesn't uh, uh, he doesn't think more highly of himself than he ought. His, his teammates have uh, confidence in him. His coach has confidence in him. Um, there are certain you know 49ers greats, including Montana and Steve Young and Jerry Rice, who have raised him highly so you know they it's like okay they've got confidence in him and you know he he believes that you know god has put him in the position where he is and he's not ashamed to you know give credit where it's due well i'm talking with mr ray hackey he is an attorney with the pacific justice institute and he's a sports writer for world magazine we're talking to him about a piece that he wrote faithful field generals christian quarterbacks abound on this year's nfl playoff teams and obviously uh, in the super bowl this weekend on the chiefs and the 49ers we just talked about brock purdy of the 49ers now to the chiefs patrick mahomes uh tell us about him and and how outspoken is he about his faith well patrick uh, mahomes is is also very outspoken i think he's told uh, sports spectrum which is another Christian publication about how he uh, uh, stops by the goalpost and prays it and prays before games. Uh, Mahomes is unfortunately a little bit more of a controversial figure hmm. uh, and, uh, because you know it's been pointed out by a number of people that you know he took up with his girlfriend and uh, you know got her pregnant before they got before they were married, things like that. But you know uh, the thing about it is uh, all of us are sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all mm-hmm. blow it. Mm-hmm. Um, He's just managed to do it publicly. Um, And and I think, you know, ultimately, if you look at the fact that, you know, he is married to uh, the woman uh, he fathered a child with, uh, you know, he is stepping up and uh, Mm -hmm. handling his business and being a father. So, I mean, it's ultimately that's not the ideal way to do things. But, you know, in in that circumstance, you know, he's manned up and, you know, I can't fault him for that. 
Well, any last thoughts, Ray? I mean, uh, I would think that just what you've explained here would make the this weekend's game even a, even a bit more interesting for uh, the believing audience. It, it certainly does. Personally, uh, as a reporter, I'm I'm supposed to be fair and objective, but as a longtime 49ers fan, I'm definitely rooting for Brock Purdy. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and plus, you know, he's just such a great underdog story. In fact, uh, um, I have a friend who I went to high school with, or uh, she's in. Uh, she now lives in Arizona, which is where Purdy's from. Her children went to school with him. I think he graduated a bit earlier than it. So, I mean, and, and he was just as humble and quiet and, um, you know, friendly and just just a very uh, godly personality even back then. Uh, and so, you know, he's just such an easy person to root for. Patrick Mahomes, this is his fourth uh, Super Bowl appearance in the past five years. Uh, so and he's already won, and he's won two of them. So, uh, but you know, if he wins, if he wins it, good on him. That was Ray Hackey, an attorney and sports writer for World. He's written the piece we've been discussing, "Faithful Field Generals," and you can read it by going to wng.org. In homes and schools in countries around the world, Child Evangelism Fellowship works to creatively bring the gospel to children and, by extension, to their parents. To get further details, we contacted Fred Pry, Assistant Vice President of U.S. Ministries for Child Evangelism Fellowship. Fred, tell us how you came to Christ and how God called you to CEF. Well, I, I came to Christ um, when I was a young, young boy, nine years old. And God just did a work in my, my heart immediately and was involved with church, of course, grew up in a Christian home. Um, and God just blessed in many ways. We, we attended church often and just really got involved in the local church. And, and of course, attended missions conferences through, the, through my time in the churches. And, and God really put a, a burden on my heart to, to think about missions, no matter where he sent me, whatever he wanted me to do. I did go into to business and served in the business industry for over 25 years. And then God called me into full-time work with CEF. That's a story in itself. I won't get into all those details, but basically the, the short story is he used my children who served with CEF in their summer ministry program called Five Day Club to really impress upon me the importance of ministering to children. And of course, I saw the difference in my own children's lives. I mean, they have been affected since that time. And and it just did, it was just an amazing thing. And, and we brought our kids up in the church, but it was something as they served with CEF and they, and they got out on mission and sharing the gospel with children, it made all the difference in their lives. And did I read somewhere, uh, Fred, that uh, your family uh, continues to be involved or quite involved with Child Evangelism Fellowship? Yes, yes. My wife also serves here with me at our international headquarters in Warrington, Missouri. That's just west of St. Louis, Missouri. And she serves here. And I have a, a son who serves here with me as well. And the others are involved in different ways. Uh, none of them are in full-time ministry with CEF. But they did serve. Three of the children served in CYIA or Christian Youth in Action for, I think it's been a combined like 17 years, mm. if you count all the years they served. And the, the longest one was, I believe it was uh, nine or 10 years, something like that. Well, tell us about, uh, turning specifically now to the, the Ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship, tell us how it started and, and uh, a bit of an overview of, of the ministry. 
Well, it started in 1937 by a pastor who initially did not believe that children could even be saved. Really? And he, he yeah, his name was, uh, we call him Mr. O, but it was J. Irvin Overholzer. And he was reading Spurgeon one day, and basically he came across a statement that a child of five can as readily believe as any adult and come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And he just didn't believe that was true. Uh, he didn't believe it was true in his own life, and he didn't really see evidence of that. So he decided to test Spurgeon's theory, and he started sharing the gospel with children, but didn't tell anyone, didn't tell their parents. And some of those children, of course, made professions of faith. And then he just sat back and watched what would happen. And the the result was a, a parent, specifically in this one case, he led two of the children to Christ, and the parent came back to me and said, what did you do to my children? Hmm. It made such an impact that that mother had no idea what happened, but she could tell something had happened and those children to come to Christ. And that was the beginning of Child Evangelism Fellowship in 1937. And obviously it's grown uh, dramatically. You see children obviously, as a mission field. Can you tell us, uh, kind of give us a little bit of an overview of the ministry? There's some bread and butter, if you will, types of ministries. You'd mentioned the five-day clubs, which is in the, yes. the summertime, the Good News Clubs, some of those things. Sure, I'd be happy to. So our, our ministry is, is quite extensive, but we have some, some ministries that are kind of our flagship ministries. Good News Club would be the one that really stands out. A lot of people have heard about that in relation to some Satan clubs that are trying to start up in some of the public elementary schools. So Good News Club is is one of those flagship ministries. And then, of course, Five Day Club, that's a summer ministry. We have uh, camps, overnight camps, some day camps. We do Christmas party clubs. There are a lot of different avenues of ministry that we incorporate throughout our throughout the world. We're in almost every country of the world, in fact, nearly every country of the world. Some countries we cannot say. I would not be permitted to, to speak their name because it would put our workers in danger. But we are in almost every country of the world. Now, when you say Good News Clubs, where do they meet? When they started off, many of them met in homes and communities, just the neighborhood house. Yep. In fact, I attended one when I was young and didn't, didn't realize till I came into CF that that's what, what I did. I attended a good news club. But <clears throat> yes, they, they meet in homes. Uh, they meet in community centers. They meet uh, in, in YMCA's, boys clubs. I mean, a variety of places. But the one place that we really do reach a lot of children is in the public school mm. and an after-school basis. Is there any resistance to that? Or is it just because since it's after school, there's no problem? Oh, there's, there's resistance, uh, some resistance. Some superintendents, some school districts don't think that it's possible, and they don't realize that the law actually supports us doing that. Um, that was that law was clarified in 2001 in a Supreme Court case, which CEF won, and that has established the precedent. So we, we really, the government requires equal access and equal treatment. And that's exactly what we do, regardless of our religious religious speech. So a chess club can meet after school, a boys and girls club can meet after school, and CEF can meet after school, regardless of our religious speech. And it's and they meet 
throughout the school year, the Good News Clubs? Uh, yeah, it's, it's during the school year. And those meet after school. They usually We usually start just after school starts in the fall. And of course, then go just before it ends. So we give a little bit of a break there on either side. But that is the, the we, basically we teach four six-week sessions. Mm. So what happens at a Good News Club? A lot of fun, actually. If you think the easiest way I can explain it, I'll, I'll give you some details. Okay. But the easiest way to explain it is think about a high-powered Sunday school going into the public school. We sing uh, actually good uh, songs that teach the children. We actually teach them God's word. So they're memorizing scripture. We'll share a Bible lesson, not just a Bible story, but it's a lesson that, that speaks to them. And of course, there's application to their own personal lives. And then often there's a mission story. So because we know God calls even some of these children to serve him in full-time missions. So we share that as well. And it's a lot of fun. There's review games. There's uh, often a snack that's actually presented since it's an after-school situation. It's a good thing to to give some children some snacks that they can enjoy. And it's and even some small group time where they get together with the small group leader and actually share some of their personal prayer requests and the small group leader ministers to them. Well, my guest today on His People is Mr. Fred Pry, he is Assistant Vice President of U.S. Ministries for Child Evangelism Fellowship. We're talking about the ministry of CEF, uh, reaching kids with uh, the gospel. Well, uh, Fred, what about the, the, the leaders, the teachers? Who are they? Where do you find them? How are they vetted, if you will? Sure. So we take all of our teachers, every single one of them has to go through what we call child protection policy. Mm. And then we have our statement of faith. So they have to agree to, to serve and to um, serve it in serve the children in the way that we actually suggest and deem necessary for the protection of the children and of course for the gospel's sake as well. We are a non-denominational or I would even say interdenominational organization. Mm. So we work with quite a few churches and uh, uh, quite a few believers, but we all come to an agreement on these main tenets of the faith. And we don't allow them to propagate anything specific in the Good News Club or the five-day clubs related to their specific church. So we, we are definitely gospel-focused. We focus on the truth. And uh, we teach children those, those truths that will actually help them and serve them through life. The volunteers come from all, all over. We, we work with thousands and thousands. In fact, it's hundreds of thousands really? of volunteers. We work with churches. We serve them. In fact, a lot of times the churches love this idea of adopting their local public elementary school. And we'll come into the church. We'll train their workers and we'll prepare them to actually teach the children, use the curriculum, teach the children in the public school. And it's just a great partnership as we partner with those churches. Is that fair to say that you have an ongoing need for, for those kind of uh, volunteers to, to lead uh, the Good News Clubs? Oh, certainly. We're not in every single school in the nation or around the world, for that matter. But yes, the, we're, we're looking for volunteers that are willing to say, you know, I'm not sure where how God will use me, but let me let me attend the training and see where where he wants to plug me in. In fact, I'll tell you some stories or a story. There was a worker that came to one of our training and they said, 
after taking the training, they said, you know, I didn't know how I was supposed to be involved in the Great Commission, but now I know. This is exactly what God wants me to do. And we have some teachers that have served for 30 years in teaching Good News Club mm. because they just love it. It's their calling. And God has done amazing work through them, led hundreds and hundreds of children to the Lord. And of course, the discipling then follows that. Well, how is the gospel presented to a child? I mean, can you contrast it at all with how the gospel is presented to an adult? Well, it's it, of course, it's in a simplified manner, one in which they can understand. But, but honestly, the Bible, if you remember what Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you can't even see the kingdom. You won't be able to enter it. So there's something very simple, mm-hmm. I mean, in, in understanding the gospel. Understanding it is the simple part. Uh, the fact that it wasn't simple for Christ to do what he did to redeem us and to bring that forward for us to enjoy. But understanding the gospel can be understood by children. We have a method to do that. Uh, often we call it the wordless book. Uh, method, and that is just sharing the gospel in a very easy way using colors. And children can identify with colors. It's a wordless book. So even the young, early readers don't have to read something to understand the gospel. Just kind of walking through the scenario of a child uh, coming to faith in Christ, he or she tells the leader, oh, I, I believed in Jesus today. What next? What uh, What's the next step for that child? Well, well, basically what that worker will do will, they'll take that child aside and just verify that they understand the gospel. So they'll ask them questions because it, our, our idea of sharing the gospel isn't share the gospel. If you'd like to do this, raise your hand, pray this prayer. That's not how we do it. We counsel every single child individually and we make sure that they understand what they're doing. Mm. We, we talk. To, so we ask them questions to make sure they understand. And then we can, of course, clarify any misunderstanding that they might have. And a lot of times the children that have come to Christ or profess salvation, they may come back again because they realize, oh, I keep sinning. And so we get the opportunity to teach them how to deal with that sin that we all battle from day to day, how to have that clean slate and confess that sin. Of course, that's First John 1, 9. And so we teach that to them as well. So once they come to Christ, the, the leader establishes that they are a believer in Jesus. Then, uh, you, as you were just explaining, there's a, there is a, a discipleship component to child evangelism fellowship. Absolutely. In, our, in every Bible lesson, there is teaching for the saved child and teaching for the unsaved child. So we bring application from the Bible lesson to each ch- each group of children, those that are saved and those that are unsaved, and that is to help them grow. What age groups are, are you aiming at? I don't think I've asked you that yet. <laughs> so basically, it we'll, we'll work with some preschoolers. We, we have some curriculum that says preschoolers can know God, and there's curriculum for that. But primarily, our age, our target age is 5 to 12. And so, obviously, evangelism, it's in your name, Child Evangelism Fellowship. There's the discipleship aspect. And also, I was reading that you hope to establish the children in Bible-believing churches. I mean, if they're not already in one, how do you go about doing that? Of course, 
what I'm thinking is, what if the parents aren't believers or they're not in a church? I, I mean, how do you navigate that? Sure. And, and you're right. We That is one of the challenges. Well, well, first of all, the purpose of CEF is to evangelize, to disciple, and to establish them in a local church for Christian living. We have to work with the church. We realize the church is the one that's going to take that that uh, baton, so to speak, and really be the one that cultivates that relationship with the child, with the family, and sees that child grow up. Uh, of course, we have them through 12, but we want to see that they get into the local church. As I mentioned, some churches adopt their local public elementary school. That's a great connection because the pastor can come in. Um, they can share what's happening at the church, invite the children to church, invite the parents to come to special events like a Christmas party or a special event at Easter. And it's a, it just is a great connection to open those doors to children and to parents that maybe aren't familiar with the church and to kind of take away that little bit of fear. It is one of the things that's in our purpose, as I said, and we do consider that very, very important. But you're right. There are some parents that just say, I'm not going to do it. But the amazing thing, if you follow my logic here for a moment, the the child comes to Good News Club, they hear the gospel, those that respond, they take the Holy Spirit with them back into the walls of that home. And that in itself affects those parents. I have a story where two children came to Good News Club, parents were unsaved, went home. The mother started asking questions or the children came home, of course, telling what they had learned. The, the mother's saying, what's going on? They started looking, you know, investigating this. The parents said, the mother said, well, I want to know more about this. And of course, the children then are starting to talk about, well, we'd like to attend church. And they said, okay. Well, then the father took notice of this. The mother and the children were going to church. The father said, hey, something's going on here. He was he he was a father that had some addictions and needed, you know, felt like that was a, a dead end road. And so they started attending as a family. The parents came to Christ as well after attending church, and they were all baptized at the same time in mm. that local church. And that just happened, I think, two years ago in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's repeated over and over again. That's just one story. Mr. Fred Pry, my guest today on His People, he is Assistant Vice President of U.S. Ministries for Child Evangelism Fellowship. And just looking for a moment at the U.S., I'd like to take another look at the international seat in front, but it sounds like you're saying that Child Evangelism Fellowship is definitely established in, in every state in the U.S. Yes, we are in all 50 states. We have over 400 offices that are busy working serving the church, serving the people, doing ministry. Fred, I know I have to let you go in just a moment, but I noticed uh, on your website that uh, CEF also has a number of what you call digital ministries. Can, can you kind of give us a quick overview of what, what you have there? That's a whole other avenue. Oh, oh, yes. This really took off during the pandemic. Um, and it's, it's, it's the way God works often is something that we look at as, as very detrimental Actually, he turns around and brings good out of those things. And that's really where it began. And we we have uh, digital ministries called 
Unite TV, Unite Radio, and basically a Unite Kids. And that's an app for devotions for kids. So there's basically three different programs that deal with Unite. Um, and you can find that on our website. If you type in, again, cefonline.com slash Unite, it'll take you right to where you can learn more about that. It's a great way for children to get good, wholesome Christian content. There's, like I said, there's a Unite TV. They can watch all kinds of uh, TV, what we call TV programs, but it's it's basically short versions of the gospel and and just good good character training, I would say. Mm-hmm. So there'll be some Bible stories there. There'll be some Bible lessons. There'll be some songs. There'll be some uh, verse songs that they get to sing right from. So they're verses, but they get to sing and put the music. And they'll just really enjoy interacting on those those Unite channels. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to today's guest, Fred Pry of Child Evangelism Fellowship. Go to cefonline.com and world writer Ray Hackey. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join us again on Monday at the same time for another edition of His People. His People.